Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's work. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. How's everybody doing? We good? Welcome to the holiday edition of Canton Church. We're glad that you're here. We really, really are. Uh, you chose a great week to be here. Uh, I'm glad to be back. I wasn't here last week. Uh, last week, Corey and I were in Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, we were doing what's called an, a church on-site. Um, I do uh, coaching for pastors around the country and have for several years, just kind of helping them uh, just evaluate their churches and things. And so from time to time, they'll invite us to come and just be an outside set of eyes on their church, what they do, how they do it, how can they do it better, how can they reach more people. And so we got the opportunity to go up to a church in Baltimore, Maryland called Epic Church. Uh, and, and I'm just so thankful that we as a church get to invest in other churches. We don't, we don't have it all figured out, obviously, uh, but just helping people just kind of take next steps and figure that out. So uh, thanks for allowing us to be up there last week. But man, Pastor Trevor did an incredible job completing our generation series. I know some of you posted on our Facebook pages and you commented and sent emails and all that kind of stuff. But man, if you did not hear last week's message about legacy, you need to go back and listen to our podcast. You can find that on our website uh, we finished up our Generations series. We do series here, and what that means is that we preach on the same topic generally for about three or four weeks. Um, and so the way the calendar lays out, we'll sit down kind of at the beginning of the year and we'll look at the entire calendar and we'll figure out what we want to preach and how we lay those series out. And so usually one series ends and the next series begins. But today's one of those kind of tweener Sundays. It's in between some series. And here's what that means. I get to preach anything I want to preach. All right. So, um, you know, I, I'm the guy that kind of sets the preaching calendar anyway, so I could preach anything I wanted to in those series. But I get to just kind of come at you with what I believe God's saying to me specifically for this day, any topic, any idea, any thought. And and maybe because of what's been happening on the news and what we've seen uh, in Houston over the last few days, I've been thinking a lot about storms and uh, if you've been watching the news, you've been watching the covers, watching, so, watching social media, uh, you know, you see all of the devastation there and you understand that, you know, the, the storm that hit Houston and the Gulf Coast, I've got friends all the way down into southwest Florida that had major flooding uh, as a result of Hurricane Harvey. And so you see all the things that happened there along the coast uh, several years ago when uh, Hurricane Katrina hit uh, New Orleans and, and Louisiana and the Gulf Coast there. Corey and I lived in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, we got kind of the, the eastern side of that storm and had flooding and power outages for several days and uh, had some damage to our home and things, nothing compared to what was happening in Louisiana. So my heart kind of connects to those that are walking through any part of this relief and recovery effort from the storm, and we understand that people lost their lives, and we understand that people have uh, been harmed, and we know obviously for the, the property damage and the loss that's there, and you know, there's a ton of things that have happened, and today I'm not really talking about that hurricane, uh, but I want you to know, and if you're on our email list, you've gotten this a couple of times, I want you to know that because of your generosity, we've been able to be a part of what's happening there. Um, early in the week, I think on Monday or so, um, we sent funds immediately to a couple of churches and ministries that we're connected to there in Houston. They were already involved in relief and recovery efforts, feeding the people that didn't have food and getting people rescued. They got boats out in the water. I mean, as of Monday morning, they were working on that. Uh, and so we sent funds to those churches and those ministries there 
Uh, and then later in the week, we were able to partner with Hope City Church, which is my brother's church up in Kentucky, and Go Church, which is a church up in Washington, D.C., partnering with them through an organization called Operation Compassion to provide a, a tractor trailer full of supplies that is already in Houston helping to serve the people there. And that's just because of your generosity. And so let me just say thank you on behalf of those people in Houston for all that you were able to help to accomplish. And we're talking now about taking a, a trip down because you know, if you know anything about storms like this, you know that like the immediacy, everybody's kind of pointed their attention towards it, but in the coming days and weeks, our attention will be drawn elsewhere. Uh, but the recovery effort in Houston is gonna last weeks and months and even years in some regards. And so now we're talking about, we've got some folks in the church that are looking at the possibility of taking a trip to Houston, uh, maybe in late October or early November to be a part of the efforts at that point. So we'll keep you posted there. But uh, I'm not really talking about the hurricane today. I just, because of that being in the news and probably being right in front of me, I've been thinking a lot about storms, storms in general. And when I think about storms, in no way would anything that I say today be meant to be insensitive because of the storm that's kind of prevalent right in front of us in our face. But the idea that storms happen all the time all around us. I mean, even while the hurricane was taking place in the Gulf Coast there, you know, it rained pretty hard here the other night. Nothing like that, but I mean, it was a pretty bad storm. And if we hadn't been thinking about the storm in Houston, we would have thought, man, that was a really bad storm. But in comparison, we think, well, that's not that bad maybe. But you know, storms happen all around us all the time. And as I thought about that, as I was thinking about all that's taking place and all the kind of storms that we see, I was thinking about the storms that you might face or the storms that I might face. And again, it's not really important for us to try to compare storms. It's not important for us to think, well, you know, that storm right there, it didn't really affect me because for somebody else, it was unbearable. But maybe somebody else faced a storm and it wasn't that big a deal to them, but you faced a similar type storm, man, it just kind of rocked your world because comparing storms doesn't really make any sense. It's, not, it's just pointless. You know, I, for Corey and I, we, we kind of walked through a, a little storm earlier in the week. In comparison, again, it's, it's not compared to anything that other people are facing. But we woke up Tuesday morning, and we took our youngest kids to elementary school. We've got four kids. We took three of them to elementary school, and we were upstairs at our house getting dressed to take our oldest son to middle school and then head to the church here. And uh, there was the doorbell rang, and, and the, there was a knock on the door at the same time. And that's unusual at our house pre-8 a.m. I don't know if people just come knocking on your door like early in the morning, but pre-8 a.m., something happens. You assume something's wrong. And so I come out of our bedroom at the top of the steps and walk down the steps, and I can see out the window there that there are some police officers on our porch. And I thought, okay, that's never good. Like, they don't send police officers to tell you you won the lottery. Like, that's not how this is happening. So my mind immediately runs to, is somebody that we know hurt? Has something bad happened that we're unaware of? And so we get to the front door, and these uh, Cherokee County uh, deputies, they say, are, are you Jeremy Isaacs? I said, I don't know. You tell me what you need first, and <laughs> I'll tell you. If, if not, I'll go get him. You know, you give me about a three-minute head start, I think I can find him. But I said, yeah, I'm, I'm Jeremy Isaacs. And he said, okay. He said, well, is that your bag? I said, well, yeah. And there's a bag of mine laying on the front porch. I'm thinking, how did my bag get on the front porch? I don't remember leaving it there. And he said, we found it up the street. He said, there was a, a rash of break-ins last night here in your neighborhood. And the best we can tell right now, about 11 cars were broken into. Two cars were stolen 
right out of the neighborhood. Uh, I said, your car's still here. And we had taken the other car to take the kids to school, so we didn't even think to look at this car. And so he said, but your car was broken into. And he said, we found your bag up the road. And he said, you just happened to have a piece of paper in here with your name on it. It was my hotel receipt from Baltimore last weekend. He said, otherwise, we wouldn't have known where who the bag belonged to. And so he, they tracked me down through that running my name. And, and I said, yeah, that's my bag. And he said, well, you need to go look in your car and see if anything else is missing. And so we never, ever, ever leave my bag or anything like that in my car. But the night before, we had gone to lacrosse practice. And on the way home, we had stopped and gotten a bunch of groceries. And we carried all the groceries into the house and I just, you know, when you're carrying a bunch of stuff in, you get in, you start unpacking the groceries, and we just never went back out to the car to get my bag or Corey's bag. She had a little small bag in the car, too. And so I start looking through my bag, and pretty quickly I realize that they have stolen my laptop, they've stolen my iPad, they stole Corey's wallet with all of her identification and her bank card and all that kind of stuff. And so we spent several days just kind of working through that with the police and the insurance company and the the bank and the, you know, I mean, all kinds of things for like identity fraud and just trying to make sure that we were covered there. And I mean, again, just hear me out. It's just stuff. But man, it was, it was infuriating. It was, it was frustrating. You felt helpless. I mean, we're trying to figure out like, are we safe? They know where we live now. They have Corey's driver's license. They know what she looks like. I'm trying to figure out like, do I need to move? Like, I, do, what do I need to do for my family? On my computer, I had a lot of things backed up, but I lost a lot of personal information that was on there. and It was just frustrating. It was like a storm that just kind of popped up out of nowhere. And that seems to happen sometimes, right? I mean, you know, you're just, you're just taking your kid to school. You're, you're just getting ready in the morning. You're just, you know, it's just no big deal. It's a random Tuesday. It's a random Thursday. And all of a sudden, something just out of the blue just kind of pops up. It's not important to compare it. You've had way worse stuff. I've had way worse stuff. We've had less stuff that frustrated us even more sometimes. But man, it was just like, it was just frustrating. You know, I, I, we have four kids, I told you, and the oldest three of those are boys. The youngest of those four kids is a little girl. And I, I heard when we had small kids, I heard somebody tell me this one time, and some of you that have parents of, of, both gen, or of kids of both genders, you, you understand uh, the, this idea, but they talked about, you know, boys are kind of like hurricanes. Like you see it brewing over off the coast. Like you hear it before it actually gets there. Like you know something's coming. And then all of a sudden, man, they come into whatever room you're in. And then you see that they're gone. They kind of hang around for a few minutes. And there's just utter devastation, right? Girls are like tornadoes. It's like a clear, sunny day. Things are fine. You think it's awesome. And then out of nowhere, boom, it touches down and boom, it's gone. Just as quick as it got there. And you look around, you're like, what just happened? What is it? It was a... That's kind of the way our house operates. We got three hurricanes and a tornado living with us at all times. But man, storms just happen. They just happen. And so today I, I thought it would be good for us maybe just to look at a story in scripture about a, a storm. And maybe just to kind of unpack that story a little bit, because if you're not in a storm now, you're probably going to face a storm at some point in the future. And remind ourselves of some truths of God, some truths about storms. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to flip with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, again, is a pretty famous passage of Scripture. If you don't know it, that's not a bad thing. It's just, it's something that we've heard a lot if you've been around the church or been around the Bible very much. 
Uh, but Mark chapter 4 is this story about the disciples who were these 12 guys that followed Jesus around all the time. And they are, they've been doing ministry. And, and we're going to read here in just a minute that, that they eventually get on a boat and they travel across. And you need to know right up front that boats were not something that scared them. These were fishermen by trade before Jesus called them to come and do something else. And so these guys had been on boats. I know that they had been in storms. They were fishermen. So this was not something that necessarily was out of the ordinary for them. We begin reading in verse 35 of Mark chapter 4. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, this is Jesus, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. There's five things today that I, I am confronted with about this passage that remind me about storms and about God. If you want to take notes, I encourage you maybe just to write this down so that even if you don't need it right now, this can be something that comes to your remembrance when you find yourself in a storm at some other point in time. The first thing is that storms often come out of nowhere. That's what I just talked about a few minutes ago. But verse 37 said, a furious squall came up. It just came out of nowhere. It's a Tuesday morning. You're getting dressed. Knock at the door. Maybe you're just driving down the road and all of a sudden your car starts making a noise it is not supposed to make. For you, that's a storm. You got to get your car fixed now and you don't have the money to get your car fixed and you don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you're just, I mean, you are just doing life. Nothing bad's happening. You're just doing your routine and you decide, hey, you know what? It's time for a physical. I'm just going to go see the doctor. I haven't been in a couple of months. Or maybe you're religious and you know that like you've got to have that doctor's appointment, you know, like next Thursday because that's exactly 26 weeks from the previous time you had a doctor's appointment. You do it half of the year. And so it's 26 and you go and it's just a routine checkup. And before you leave, they give you really bad news. It's a storm that came up out of nowhere. Like last time it was fine. You got a clean bill of health. And this time they've got questions and they want you to come in and do follow-up tests. And you don't know where this came from. A furious squall came up. Maybe you're just walking through the grocery store. And all of a sudden you get a phone call from a family member. And it's really bad news. Storms just pop up sometimes. I mean, they just happen in our lives. And we often don't know what to do about them. It just, we weren't expecting, if we could have been prepared, if we would have been thinking about it in advance, maybe we would have known how to handle it a little better, but now it just popped up and we don't know what we're supposed to do. This furious squall just came up out of nowhere. And for some of you, let me just kind of put your mind at ease or maybe even help you understand something that somebody else somewhere maybe sold you a bill of goods. If you signed up for this Christianity thing because you thought it meant no more storms in your life, listen to the murmurs in the crowd. I don't even have to say anything else. But if they did, if somebody in your past said, hey, if you'll sign up for Christianity, all your storms go away. I want to give you a money back guarantee today. You're going to have a lot more storms. John chapter 16, verse 33 says this, in this world, you will have trouble. That's Jesus talking. That's not Jeremy talking. That's Jesus. In this world, you will have trouble. It is a sure thing. You're going to face storms in your life. So the question is, how do you deal with those storms? 
often I think we deal with them like the disciples did. Let's continue reading. Let's go back to what we just read a second ago. The disciples woke him, Jesus, and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Have you ever said anything like that to God? The second thing that I see here is that storms surface our greatest fears. Storms surface our greatest fears. They woke Jesus up and they said, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Are you not concerned? Keep in mind, he was also in the boat. He would have drowned too, potentially. They're like, don't you even care? I know none of y'all have ever asked God that question. I have, at least twice today, right? God, don't you care what happens to me? Don't you care that we're going to drown? Like, are, I know you've been sleeping because, let me just stop right here and say, isn't the best sleep when it's raining outside? Jesus shows us that here in Mark chapter 4. <laughs> he shows us that when it starts raining, you need to go take some Tylenol PM and just grab you a pillow. Like, you're going to sleep amazingly, all right? No, no, no. But the disciples are like, no, 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 no. Jesus, get up. Don't you care? Are you not concerned at all that we're going to drown here? What are you doing? Why do you not care that we're going to hurt? God, do you not care that I'm disappointed by the outcome of this situation in my life? God, don't you care that I feel alone right now? God, don't you care that I don't have enough money to pay the bills? Don't you care, God? That's what they're saying. Are you so disconnected, God, from what's going on in my life that you don't feel the same way about what's happening that I feel? Often when storms pop up in our lives and we didn't have a chance to prepare for it, what happens is what comes out of our mouth is actually what's been in our heart for a long time. Right? The Bible says that out of the heart, right, that's what we speak. That's what comes out of us. And so when we're not prim and proper and Sunday morning, you know, dressed up, and we're not just kind of like when something bad happens, if we don't have our Sunday morning filter on, we're like, hey, I'm blessed and highly favored. How are you doing? God bless you. I am a C-H, right? C-H-R-S-T-I-N. That's me. That's my name. I got a label right here. That's who I am. But no, no. When storms pop up out of nowhere, we don't have that filter on us anymore. And all of a sudden, what comes out of us is, don't you care, God? The thing that I'm afraid of, the thing that I worry about the most, the thing that's going on inside of me that just creates turmoil, man, it popped up and it proved me right and you don't care and you're disconnected. When I was in Baltimore last week, the pastor up there, his name is Chris Lockamy, and he preached. He asked me originally to preach and then he said, you know what? It would probably serve our church better if you would just come and just observe us on a Sunday morning. And just from the setup, because they're portable right now, he said, from the setup all the way through the teardown and the worship time and the greeting and the kids and my sermon, like, I want you to leave us with a hundred things we need to do to get better. And I think there were 99, because I'm a nice guy. So, <laughs> no, it was a great church. I'm totally kidding. But Pastor Chris preached, and he talked a little bit in a totally different context, in a totally different way about worry. And he said this, he said, worry is fear disguised as help. And what we fear will ultimately control us. Worry is fear disguised as help. Right? Think about the things that you get worried about. Why do you get worried about them? Because you're afraid of them. 
Ultimately, when you worry, you're actually just allowing that fear to come out of you. It just surfaces. And what you fear will ultimately control you. Because we're able to mask it, we're able to press it down, push it, hide it. But if you think about the things that you talk about, if you think about the things that you spend a lot of time dealing with, working on, trying to fix, trying to protect, if you are constantly consumed, maybe in your family, you, you never really, when you were growing up, maybe you didn't have a lot of money. Maybe money created issues in your home. Maybe money contributed to your parents getting divorced. And so now in your life, you're always worried about money. You're checking your online bank statement. You're checking the stock market. If you've got anything invested, you're just recounting the money in your wallet as many times as you can during the day. Like you're just consumed by it. You're controlled by it. And if you get a new job that pays you a little more money, then it seems to calm your fears for a little while until you realize that money isn't actually the issue. It's just what's controlling you. Maybe you're somebody that health has been an issue for you or in your family. Somebody that you know, love, that you loved and, and knew. They, they died or maybe they were very sick or something happened. And so now you constantly, every time you get a little, <clears throat> a little tickle in your throat, you run to the doctor because you've looked it up on WebMD and you know you've only got three days to live. <laughs> that worry is actually fear coming to the surface and it controls you. It consumes you. But thankfully... We're not alone in our storms, even when our fear surfaces. The third thing that I see here in this story is that storms show us God's strength. Storms show us God's strength. Verse 39 says this. He got up, Jesus did, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Do you remember what happened before he rebuked the winds and the waves? The disciples rebuked him. They screamed at him. The disciples yelled at Jesus, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus didn't even respond. Like, unless Mark just chose to leave that out, he just didn't even respond to them rebuking him. He just got up and rebuked the winds and the waves. There's two things that I see here in this part of this passage, really in just this one verse. And the first one is that Jesus can handle your frustration. He can handle your fears. He wants to know what you're actually thinking. Now, I don't know that the story would have played out like this, but if the disciples walked up and said, Jesus, hello, I don't know. I don't want to wake you up to, you know, I don't want you to be scared. I don't, I don't want this to happen. Like my kids, they don't walk up and calmly wake me up ever. Like I wish they would just kind of walk up and be like, daddy, hello. But they always run in like somebody has stuck a knife in their arm. But listen, that's what the disciples did. They, they ran up to Jesus and they started screaming at him. And if Jesus wakes up like, like I wake up, I'd be like, what is it? What is it? What happened? What happened? Oh, it's raining? It's just raining? Aren't y'all fishermen? Like when I found y'all, weren't you on a boat? Has it ever rained before? You're not Noah. Like you've, it's like you've seen rain before, right? Like what? He wasn't upset. He wasn't scared of them yelling at him. He didn't say, oh, wow, you guys are upset. I, I can't, I mean, I can't deal with that right now. I'm just going to go back to sleep. No, he just got up. And the second thing that I see in this is that he demonstrated his strength by speaking peace to the storm. 
He spoke to their circumstances. He spoke to the thing that was causing their worry and their fear. Like he didn't even have to address the fact that they had accused him of not caring. He just fixed it. He just fixed it. He just addressed the situation. His power is enough. It's enough. And you know, in our lives, often what we want God to do is as soon as we get the weather report, we want him to fix it. God, divert the storm. I see it's coming. It, the path, they've got the new technology, like the cone is heading at my house. Move it. Redirect it. Blow God. Blow the wind. Blow it. Right? Or it's like, okay, well, God, we, you know, maybe that's not how you work. But as soon as the first raindrop hits me, stop it. Speak peace to my storm then. As soon as I get wet the first time, like just stop it when the wind starts moving the trees. My great-grandfather used to talk all the time as he could tell that it was going to rain because you could see the underside of the leaves. The leaves turn under. Like when you can see the wind kicking up the under part of the leaves, you know you're about to get wet. You better get dry. You need to get somewhere right now. And so when you see the leaves turn under, you're like, God, you going to do something? I don't know if you know that, but when the leaves turn up, it's about to rain. Can you stop that? Can you just speak peace into this situation? Can you do something right now, God? That's what we want God to do. And yet time and time and time again, God chooses to do something different. He chooses to do something different. I posted this on Facebook yesterday, but this is an important reminder for all of us. I've, I've talked about it before. Just because he didn't doesn't mean he can't. And just because he hasn't doesn't mean he won't. Just because he didn't doesn't mean he can't do it. And just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he won't do it. God's timing is different than my timing. Right? Isaiah tells us that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. There's something different about the way God views storms and the way I view storms. I view storms from underneath them where the rain is falling. God is on top of the storm looking down. His perspective about my storm is completely different. And just because he hasn't yet done anything that I think he should have done doesn't mean he won't do it. Just because he didn't do it yet doesn't mean he can't do it. He has the power. He demonstrated that. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm telling about my upbringing a little bit, but I remember when I was in the church when I was a kid, and we used to sing this song about him being an on-time God. Yes, he is. That's what we would sing. He's an on-time God. And then the other part of the choir would say, yes, he is. And it was like they were just reminding the other part of the choir that, yes, he is an on-time God. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. And sometimes we forget that. We think he's not on time because he didn't show up on my time. But what if his alarm clock is set to a different time than your alarm clock about when you thought God was supposed to show up? God sees things differently than we do. And often it's because of this fourth thing that I've learned about storms. Storms show us our room for improvement. Now, please hear what I am saying and don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that every storm is caused by God. I'm not saying that people don't get hurt and in the reality of the literal storm that are happening, people have lost their lives. But in the storms that pop up in our lives from time to time, there are ways that God uses those things to teach us some things. God uses those storms to show us where we have a room for improvement, where we are lacking and if God diverted the storm before the cone hit your house, you probably wouldn't learn it. If God stopped the storm before the raindrop hit your house or hit you, you probably wouldn't learn it. There are some times that you've got to get drenched 
There are some times that the winds have got to kick the water up till it gets in your boat and you're afraid that you might be going down. That you remember that Jesus is on the boat and you go talk to him and all of a sudden you see his power and it reminds you that he's enough. There are some times that God uses storms to teach us some things. Look at this in verse 40. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Did you notice the word still right there? Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid? Do you still, based on everything that we've experienced together thus far, you still don't have enough trust in me that I'm enough? Do you still have no faith? If Jesus were standing in front of you today, why would he insert the word still when talking to you? Do you still not believe in me? Based on everything you've experienced, based on everything that you know, you still don't believe I'll provide for the need? You still don't trust me with your health? You still don't trust me with your kids? You still don't trust me with your marriage? You still don't fill in the blank? Because oftentimes it takes a storm to reveal our still don't about God. Do, do you, you still don't have faith? You still don't trust me enough? You still don't believe enough? Because there are times that God uses storms to teach us some things. Because see, faith is not this once you get it, you got it currency. It's an everyday wake up and trust God today currency. It's just believing and trusting God for today. I think what Jesus was saying to them is like, what, what happened today? Like, why, why am I not enough today? Why am I not enough today? It's, it's choosing today to trust God. The fifth thing that I've learned about storms is the storms don't change who's in my boat. Storms don't change who is in my boat. Look at verse 35. Just the first four words. This was all the way back at the beginning of the story. He said, let us go over. He did not say, let us go to the middle of the water and drown. He said, let us go over to the other side. God had a plan. Like at the beginning of the story, he told them what was going to happen. We're going to get in the boat, and we're going to get to the other side. He didn't promise them that the storm wouldn't kick up. He didn't promise them that it would be smooth sailing all the way. But he said, we're going to leave one side of the shore and we're going to get to the other side of the shore. The same promise is there for you. The same promise is there for me. Because here's what we know. Storms don't have the final word. He does. Storms don't have the final word. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the storm. Right? That's... That's the reality, the truth of Scripture. There's nothing in the world that is greater than God. And if I can get to the place where I believe that, if I can get to the place where I embrace that, it allows me in the midst of my storms, even when the winds and the waves are rocking that boat and water's coming in and things are happening, maybe it rises up some worry in us, which is just masking the fear in us, that we remember, he, he's right here with me. This was his idea anyway. 
yeah, yeah, he's enough for my marriage. Because at some point in our past, we committed our marriage to him. Doesn't mean there's not gonna be storms, doesn't mean there's not gonna be rocky days. I'm still living with her. I'm still living with him. And they're imperfect just like I am. And we're gonna mess up and we're gonna get angry with one another. But we committed our marriage to him. He's in the boat. Yes, he's enough for your kids. You, you, you gave them Jesus. You poured Jesus into them. And if you didn't, you start now. And you just invest faith into them. And you, you modeled for them what it means to follow Jesus. It doesn't mean it's gonna be, not going to be rocky. It doesn't mean there's going to be like perfect, calm seas and no storms to kick up. But he's enough. He's still enough. He's always been enough. He's enough for your finances. He's your provider. He's enough for your health. He knit you together in your mother's womb. There are storms that happen, but it does not change who's in the boat with you. We read John 16, 33, and we only read a portion of John 16, 33. Some of you Bible scholars knew that. This is what it says. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He said, listen, when the winds kick up and the waves kick up and the water gets in your boat and you get afraid, I am right here with you. And one word from my mouth calms the whole sea. Calms the whole sea. Quiet. Be still. Some translations say peace. Be still. Peace. And I know that some of you today, you came in and man, life's good. The sun's shining. The birds are chirping. You're making more money than you've ever made. Your marriage is as good as it's ever been. Your kids are better Christians than you are. Just, it's, it's peaceful. It's awesome. It's great. Maybe you take these five things and you just hide them in your wallet. You put them in your purse. You put them in the little glove box of your car. So that the next time the storm, the furious squall comes up, you can be reminded about a few things. But I recognize today that there are people in this room, man, your boat is rocking. It's rocking. You, you can't even get it under control. You thought you were a pretty good fisherman. You, you thought you knew how to sail this thing, but all of a sudden it's beyond your control and you don't know what to do. And today I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you remember that he's in the boat with you and that he started this whole thing by saying, let us go over to the other side and that there may be some things he's trying to teach you in the midst of this storm. Like maybe he, he has always had the power to say, peace, be still, but he's not ready to do that yet because there's some things in you he's got to fix. And so maybe instead of just praying, God, you know, just make the storm stop, make the storm stop. Maybe you just pause long enough right here in this moment to say, God, what are you trying to teach me? Like, what do you need to get out of me? What do you need to bring to the surface so I can deal with it? So that you can make this storm stop. Because like, if you'll show me, I'll learn it. I'll learn it real fast. Would you just just reveal that? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front today. I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than just acknowledge in just a moment that you're somebody who's in need of prayer because I want to know who to pray for this week. 
if you would say to me today with nobody looking around, Jeremy, this is what you've been describing my current situation. I am in the midst of a storm. I, I mean, my boat is rocking. I don't know how we're gonna make it. I don't know how I'm gonna make it. A lot of the stuff you said, I, I know, I know it intuitively, but man, it's so hard to know it when the storm's raging like it is. Would you pray for me? Would you lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. Tons and tons of hands. You can put them right back down. God, I pray right now for every hand that was lifted. I pray from the youngest to the oldest, every man and woman, boy and girl in this place who just acknowledge that they're walking through a storm right now. God, would you reveal yourself to them? Would you, be, would you remind them that you're in the boat? Would you remind them that you set out on this journey with them? It was your idea? God, right now, for any person in this place who's not in relationship with you, and so they don't know that they can turn to you, God, would you help them right now to acknowledge their need for you? That they would just say, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive my sins. Lead and guide my life. Help me to be in relationship with you from now through eternity. And God, even for those that are walking with you, they're in relationship with you. God, would you help all of them to know that your presence is real, that you are enough, that one word from your lips is enough to calm the harshest of storms in their lives. God, would you help them to dig into their hearts and surface their fears and their worries, not allow those things to control them, but to give them to you so that you can heal them and help them to deal with them. God, would we know that you're enough? Would we know that you are enough today? Speak peace into our circumstances. And God, remind us that you are with us every single step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga. 